You are listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple friends sit and talk around the fire after everyone else has gone to bed. Grab a drink and join us as we discuss everything from famous explorers, artificial intelligence, and what is the meaning of life. Will raising the minimum wage raise up the lower class, or will it make the rich richer? We're going to talk about the little bit about the history, the economics, and the ethics of potentially a $15 minimum wage, or what should the minimum wage be, or should there be a minimum wage? But before we get into that, Mike, how are you doing, and what are you drinking? I'm doing pretty good. I'm drinking some Larceny bourbon, and uh, this is going to be a complicated one there, Nick. What about you? How are you drinking and how are you doing? Doing great. Drinking some Monkless Belgium, Belgian ales, some peppercorn imperial wit. It's pretty fancy. It's basically a, a fancy way to say a high percentage beer. You're drinking them with your pinky up, I see. <laughs> Obviously. It's foreign, so, well, actually it's made in Bend, but it sounds foreign, so it must be fancy. <laughs> so the history of the minimum wage, minimum wage started in the nineteen late 1930s. Probably everyone remembers from the history books of, you know, factory working conditions, children, you know, working looms, dangerous jobs for pennies. And they were able to, companies were able to pay pennies because there were so many people willing to work. But eventually, everyone said, decided that that's not how they wanted to live their lives. So they decided on a minimum wage and child labor laws so that you can't have, you know, a little kid putting his hand in and around heavy machinery. At that time, the minimum wage was about, like, it looks like 25 cents or so, maybe 50 cents. And it's gone up over time. The highest now, you know, 775 is the federal minimum wage, or 725. But when you adjust that for inflation, the current minimum wage is also 725 adjusted for inflation, it's the same value, but the highest the minimum wage ever was, was in 1968, when the minimum wage was like a buck seventy-five. But the inflation minimum wage, so your dollar went more in '68, which I think most people will tell you that's true, was just under twelve dollars, was what you were earning per hour, per our current dollars. Ever since '68 minimum wage, the actual wage has been increasing, but due to inflation, the value you get for that dollar is going down. So basically, our minimum wage is the lowest it's been since 1952 when adjusted for inflation. And I think it's important to note, uh, U.S. was not the first to come up with minimum wage. In fact, the first country to implement the minimum wage was New Zealand in 1894, followed by Australia in 1896, the UK in 1909, and like Nick said, it wouldn't be till 1938 by FDR, where America adopted it. Yep. And uh, I wanted to run some numbers past everyone, give you an idea. So minimum age workers in the United States from 2020 tend to be under 25 years old, and they tend to be women. So there's about 3% of the U.S. population is paid minimum wage. 2% of that is women, 1% of that is men. I was going to, the 3%, uh, so 
for those uh, researching this, I saw a lot of contradicting statistics and arguments, et cetera, et cetera. But from what I saw from the U.S. Bureau Labor of Statistics, it's 1.5 to 1.9% earn or earn less than minimum wage. Maybe it's the, I, 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 I don't know if which one of those to be true. I just, that's, that's just what I saw. I just wanted to point that out there. Yes. Uh, so I'm seeing, yeah, they say 1.9% in their, in the body, 1.9% decreased to 1.5% in 2020. And then, uh, they had a graph I'm looking at that puts it at 3%. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe because of what pre-COVID and after COVID? Maybe. So I don't know what that's about, but it's somewhere in there between the 1% to 3%. It says 1.5% in 2020. So let's say it's that's we'll use that number. Well, let's just split the difference. Let's just say 2%. Okay. That works. And then most of those work in the service industry, which I think most people guess that. And then some, uh, most of those are full-time workers. And then a smaller percentage of that is part-time workers. Also important to note out that currently, not counting that same two percentage earning minimum wage or less minimum wage, uh, those wondering about less than minimum wage, you should listen to our episode on tipping because the tipping industry is a weird one. So tipping, can you can earn less than the current minimum wage set at, but Currently, there are about 20.6 million people who work near minimum wage. So they might be a dollar or two over minimum wage. So about 2% of the population working at minimum wage or less minimum wage and another 20-so million people working near minimum wage. And like Nick said, majority of them being 16 to 24 making minimum wage or less minimum wage. And I imagine people near minimum wage are probably close to the 25 to 30-year mark. I couldn't find numbers on the age group, but that's what I am, I would imagine. You get, you know, like a dollar raise here and there or something like that. Yep. And then uh, where where are these jobs at? It seems pretty uh, more rural states. A lot of the southern states have a higher percentage of minimum wage workers. Four to three percent of workers in South Carolina, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Virginia. And then... Looks like Western states that have less than 1% paid workers at or below the minimum wage, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, and then you also have Vermont, Washington, Nebraska. So some of those pretty rural states. So I, I thought you might find a lower minimum wage in more rural states, but... See, see, to be honest, that didn't surprise me because in those rural areas... I imagine everybody knows each other. Everybody wants to help each other out. So it's not as distant as a city. It's not so many ones and zeros, but it's your neighbor Bob and Bill. Yeah, that's true. That was just my my thinking of it. Another thing, so minimum wage workers are less likely to be uh, single than they are married. About 3% are single and 1% are married. That makes sense. You know, as you move on in life, you're more likely to be married and more likely to move up by the time you are married, but it's not always the case. And then education, 2% are without a high school diploma or a high school graduate. And then 1% of the at or near minimum wage 
have a bachelor's degree or higher. Is it bad that I want to insert an art degree joke in there somewhere? I'm just nothing's coming to mind. Well, I, I mean, uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so this is this kind of surprised me. Uh, the one to one, what we read, two percent, the population makes minimum wage. Just because of how much you're seeing this in the news, they make it seem like everyone is making minimum wage. Well, I imagine it's because we've all worked minimum wage jobs. I know, like I have, and we kind of interact with more minimum wage workers on a day-to-day basis, like running to the store, buying some groceries, going to a fast food place. You interact with those people more than I would say a professional making, I don't know, 50 plus a year. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think I figured out our problem with the, the data. So the the one I think the 1.5% is the people making minimum wage, and then the 3% are people making at or near minimum wage. So I think 3% of the population makes at, near, or below. So that 3% probably includes everyone making tips, whereas the 1.5% is just your hourly minimum wage workers that that makes that makes a lot of sense and then uh just want to throw this out in 1979 13.4 percent of the population made um minimum wage that's a huge percentage of the population yeah which is the highest percentage interesting i in at that time that's pretty close to the adjusted minimum wage dollars for one of the highest, there that's about eleven bucks an hour in our dollars. I'm wondering at that time, did education change at all? Like, did college become more accessible or something like that? I, I, I it's very curious to me, like why that sudden increase of population? Did different unions form? It, I, I, I have to investigate that further. Well, that's also about the time frame of all the people who say. Oh yeah, well, why don't like to pay for your school? I just worked through college. Well, you had one of the highest paid minimum wages of all times when you were doing that. So, and I imagine college inf- uh, has only increased. It's not been steady increase with inflation. No, college uh, college went up like Bezos's rocket. <laughs> <laughs> so not not to the not to space, but close enough. Yep. If it if it made it all the way to space, most of us wouldn't be able to afford it. But a lot of people still can afford college. <laughs> Damn, that's a sick burn there, Nick. Oh God. But yeah, and also I think this is important to note: inflation is at the highest it's been in a very long time, at least in my lifetime. Uh, so that also has a heavy effect, like you said, Nick. The dollar doesn't carry as much as it did back in the older days. Yep. So that's kind of a little overview of where we're at now with the minimum wage. I don't know if you had anything else on that. I was going to move into the $15 minimum wage. Um, No, I don't really have anything to that. I just want to say before we start getting into the details, there is a lot of contradicting evidence. I, I saw scientific articles on both sides. I saw economics on both sides. It's, it's very complicated something so simple so complicated and nick i'm just happy i have a full bottle of bourbon with me yeah so we're gonna talk about the 15 dollars minimum wage mostly because that's what's making the news but i also kind of want to cover maybe what we think a good minimum wage should be later on but i also want to throw out that 
some people think it should be higher and some people think it should be lower. Um, one of the a few places and I've heard this before is that to maintain like the cost of living, like they call, I forget they call it. It's like a cost of living uh, wage or a living wage. And that would be a wage that if everyone was paid this amount, everyone could afford housing in the area that they work and all that stuff is twenty two forty an hour. I saw the same thing, the rental rates for per hour or something like that. Yeah. And that's like, a, that's a lot of, I don't make that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, what is that a year? Uh, Well, and so you're, you're making $20 an hour, working eight hour a day. That's 40 hours a week. So 20 times 40 times 52. I mean. 46, 592 before taxes. So that's pretty good. That's higher than a lot of states' medium income. Yeah. But I also want to point out, like you said in the beginning, there's people who are married and people who are single. Dual incomes may... I always imagine single incomes have probably a lower standard of living for housing. Um, well, that just depends on what kind of girl I'm dating at the moment. And versus a dual income where you could split the bills, you get quite more savings saved up so i think i want to point that as a big factor of rental rates what i saw for that rate would be for single people not partners or something like that not even account like also that's not counting if you already have kids or not that's true and uh so i guess do you want to talk about the minimum wage of i guess like well i do want to point why, out yeah. point out before we begin um Right now, the minimum wage is at seven twenty-five, but different states have their own state minimum wages. Uh, it's it's not across the board, and I think that's important to note that some states. I think is it Portland or is it California that already has fifteen dollars an hour? I'm gonna imagine California because I worked there for a year and I got paid like fifteen bucks an hour. Um, now to be fair, I was super excited because that before that I was working in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, making ten fifty an hour. And I was like, oh shit, another four bucks, 90 cents, like 50 cents. I'm going to be rich. And I actually ended up losing, it cost me more. I made more money making ten fifty in Idaho, just cost of living. So, but California I think is, is $15. Cause I made $15 in like some cents or whatever. Well, I wish a different state besides California did it because California is not exactly of a good example of a run state. So I'm just, I'm, so, but I imagine we'll talk about it, how different regions should have probably different minimum wages, but there's a lot of variables for minimum wage. Yeah, completely agree. And just like everything, I think it needs to be, it doesn't need to be a flat number. You know, so we talk about minimum wage being adjusted for inflation, but maybe we should just adjust it to the cost of living for that area. You know, a $15 minimum wage is really fucking good in rural Idaho. $15 minimum wage won't pay shit in Los Angeles. Oh, God. I'm trying to imagine what kind of apartment you'll get in New York City working minimum wage. Is it a cardboard box? Like, it, it yeah, the, the where you live, prices are heavily change so god you could live like a king in the middle of kansas but you'd be a peasant if you lived in los angeles granted i'd rather live in kansas than los angeles but 
yeah it i i completely agree it should be regional based but that's kind of more philosophical i kind of want to go back to the 15 dollar per hour um for those who don't know and living under the rock there have been many marches many protests many bills trying to get passed for raising the bill to be 15 dollars an hour which is quite literally double what it is now and boy it's a Nick, this is a comfortable one. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells here. Yeah, don't say the wrong thing. Uh, well, economics, sorry, economists, overwhelmingly say it'll be bad for the economy. That being said, looking at their, I have also seen research where it actually said it'd be good for the economy. You can check out our sources on YouTube. That's where we put all our sources in the description. I see, I read both those studies. Both have fair arguments and at the end of the day, when comparing them, I think it would be net zero of creating jobs versus people losing jobs. And for those wondering, uh, for losing jobs, uh, well, if you're a smaller business owner and you need to hire five, five people, well, I can't hire all those five people now because I literally have to pay each employee double what they were making. So I lose half my employees. That's the mindset thinking, which has merit to it i mean if you're starting off the 15 hour only really neutral affects large companies from what i could tell it kind of negatively affects smaller companies unless you can make the counterpoint argument that if people have more money they'll spend more money so it'll help mom pop shops that being said i still see people shop at non-mom pop shops like they just go where it's more convenient not necessarily where it's most ethical yeah I mean, that's that's a it's an argument I think people have all the time of you know, voting with your dollar, but it more seems like you're voting with your time than your dollar. And I guess an extension of that of I don't know like people I know a lot of people around me we go to Walmart to get things just because they have everything there, whereas you'd have to stop at five different mom and pop stores to get it. So it's not even the the dollar amount that they're as much worried about saving of just oh the convenience i don't want to have to go to all these different oh places my too god the convenience is so wonderful just I, I i mean i'm guilty of it i'll I, I go to target i prefer not to go to walmart but just to stop at one store and not have to shop around is absolutely wonderful and well they don't carry night crawlers at target mike so we have different targets that's true. You're in Texas, <laughs> and I don't have a Target. So. <laughs> but I, it's complicated because some jobs I believe should be making more, more than that current minimum wage. Some jobs it's questionable because, like you said, Nick, that fifteen dollar wage starts creeping up onto what I would hire. I would I would say are trained professionals who are higher sought off because of their skills and that doesn't seem fair all around now that not just be because of inflation not all the price rises have caught up but as much as i want people to help out at the same time i want to make sure we're not muddling skilled labor with unskilled labor because i'm sorry i worked a cashier's job that's what i did in high school it's not hard anybody can do it but being i don't know a biologist i don't think they should be making close to the same amount of money just I want to point that out there. And I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that we need to be careful that we're not muddling skilled labor with unskilled labor for the same paycheck, if that makes sense. 
I'm probably going to get killed for it in the comments, but fuck it. Full send. Well, I, th- I think that's a perfect example there. So look at wildlife biologists. For, so I work in natural resources in the timber industry, but I know a lot of people who went to school for wildlife biology, and it's a pretty common field because who doesn't want to work with wildlife as their career? And even though you get an education, there's so many people who are trying to do that job, you still don't make very well, and it's really not, you're not in it for the money. So even though you are educated, there's the the supply of people willing to work, do pretty, you know, take low wages just so they can work in their field because they love what they do is, is pretty high. So they don't really make that much, and a lot of it's seasonal work. And so I think that's one of those jobs that crosses that line of, you're educated, but it's not like you're uh, you're making the big bucks. Yeah, it almost seems like uh, we should fix the college system along with it. Uh, that's a little tongue in cheek, but I did um, I did see one really good argument and study for higher minimum wage. Now the problem is with all these studies, they're localized or they're simply mathematical formulas. It's never done on a large scale in the United States. And to say we can compare it to other countries is just not fair. There's nowhere in the world like the United States. There's nowhere in the world where we have this many different types of cultures at this kind of quantity mixed together. So much transportation, so much uh, innovation being made. It's much different than it is, say, I don't know, in Scandinavia. But one ar- Well, there's a lot of countries, like a lot of European countries like Norway that we're always compared to. Um, for minimum wage or not necessarily the minimum wage but you know social stuff like that a lot of these countries have populations of less than 10 million people yeah and i saw even with australia even though they have a large population i want to point out their demography is pretty much the same they don't really have uh as wide range of different cultures as we do here in the united states and that affects on how people think, their beliefs, their religious beliefs, how they interact, what they spend their money on. That changes economies on your cult based on your culture. So I wanna I wanna point that out as well. That even though population might be the same, the type of population is not exactly the same across the board. Yeah, exactly. So that's part of the reason that I've seen a lot of people talk about is you know. <laughs> lot of economists say you know whatever happens it's going to be a really interesting case study don't know if that's comforting or not (laughs) one way or another it's going to be one hell of a ride uh but oh uh but the one study i i saw the one argument i saw which i thought had quite a bit merit for is this all right this is overly simplifying it but i think it's a great way to explain it so say you're having a mom pop shop you can't afford to pay the $15 for the five people. So you have them work part-time. So you're, you know, you're still getting the manpower, but you're not getting it all at once. So you're spreading out the jobs. And you uh, part-time, you don't have to pay benefits. That is also true. Uh, So say you have a higher minimum wage and you're switching to uh, more part-time workers because that's just what you can afford to do as a company. Well, that means less hours worked. That means less yearly money, even though you're getting paid more per hour. But it allows more time to get other jobs and get training for higher paying jobs. I saw this argument and I thought that was a very fair argument. I didn't, I, that was, I only seen that argument once and I'll, 
I'm sorry, I can't remember the source of where I got it. Again, it's in our descriptions. But that was probably the best argument I saw for it is you get more money, but you get less hours. So total, you get less money yearly, but it allows you to get another job. So now you're having two jobs. So you're now getting, instead of getting $15 per hour or let's see what, 15 times 40, I can do math in my head. That's $600. You're now getting twelve hundred dollars because you can work two part-time jobs. That's that's a big difference. Um, and also, even if you don't work full two two part-time jobs, that training to get to a job above minimum wage that allows free time. I, I thought that was quite convincing, and I would like to hear your opinion on it, Nick. Well, I th- I think uh, you know making everyone a part-time worker, like I said, is is definitely cost-saving because you get out of saving benefit, you get out of paying benefits. But I think it's detrimental to the worker overall because you're doing two part-time jobs. You're not investing all your time into one job, getting better at one thing. Now, they might be in similar fields or, you know, like everyone says, talks about with like what our economy is. It's not going to be like, oh, you work for X restaurant. It's like you're going to work for some app and this restaurant needs a worker. And then you get sent to that restaurant for this hour, kind of like an Uber Eats or like an Uber driver, but for servers. Now, I don't necessarily know you know, how well that's going to work. But to me, it, you're not, you know, let's say you're, you worked half your time at Wendy's and half your time at McDonald's. Yes, you're working in the same industry, but it's, I think if they had, you know, full-time workers there over that, you're more like, they're more likely to be picked up to get promoted unless you really, you know, try and improve yourself. It just seems we'd have to change our cultural shift of, how we view part-time workers as, oh, this person's, you know, just here to, to make a buck on the side, not this person's trying to make a career out of this. Well, one, uh, I completely agree with that. When I assume part-time workers, I don't, for some reason, imagine living off of that. That just could be my mind thinking, but if you, to, to live off part-time doesn't, doesn't compute with me. Secondly, do fast food restaurants have not complete clauses? Like if I work for McDonald's, can I not work for Wendy's the next day? I have no idea, but I imagine if we shifted to an economy of, you know, mostly part-time workers that you would start seeing that kind of work. <laughs> NDAs are out through the roof. Oh God. Um, yeah. Uh, actually I'll say that for later in the, in the, in the podcast another another thing i saw was more money means more spending which does does have merit but if the inflation increases it doesn't matter how much more you spend if it's not above the inflation the inflation point so if you raise the dollars to 15 dollars an hour which based on some professions i think you should but if you raise it overall it won't make a difference it'll be the same amount of money because inflation will increase because of it well not only that but everything would increase you know at least a percentage if every minimum wage worker needed paid more your cost of business is going to go up so everything's going to cost more so and then the market would just readjust so you'd be paying the same percentage of your income on these things it would just the number would be higher and i imagine uh that ripple effect for say skilled labor 
will not catch up as quickly to it. So there'd be, a, I, I imagine, six years, seven years of the imbalance of pay to cost of living. I mean, we're we're getting pretty close there now with, uh, with you know, COVID and the PPP, or the Paycheck Protection Programs, where the government's, you know, paying people to securing their, adding an extra amount to their um, unemployment loans or uh, whatever you want to call it, that people are getting paid more to, you know, stay home and not work. And so right now in town, you can be, make a starter position, make 15 to 20 bucks an hour for flipping burgers. I mean, that's not that far from what, uh, you know, my wife or I are making, you know, my, my wife's an engineer, a civil engineer, and she's making a little bit more than that. And so at what point does, man, if I'm going to make this much, why would I, you know, push myself and take on this high risk or the, you know, bigger, more stressful job when I could do this, you know, stock shelves or something for take a small paycheck and not have to deal with the stress of building a sewer or a bridge or other fuck. So then you'd probably, after a while, you'd see those companies paying more and then slowly everything would adjust out, I imagine. But I think for a while there'd be a, there'd be a lot of quote unquote skilled labor dropping down to do unskilled positions. Yeah. And for me personally, I'd be really fucking pissed off if I'm building heat shields for space shuttles and I'm making only a few dollars more, uh, more an hour than someone ringing up my clothes and purchases at some clothing store. That would actually piss me off. I've worked a cashier's job. Again, it's annoying you have to deal with human beings. Trust me, I'm not the biggest fan of human beings. But it's not that hard. In fact, there's a lot of those jobs are being automated by machines. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's another thing that like uh, McDonald's in, I mean, pretty much every year, but 2012, 2015, they had multiple strikes because their workers wanted to be paid more. So they did pay their workers more, but they laid off a bunch of people and started going to more automated systems. So the workers who still work there are making more money than they did previously, but there are less people working there. I also think it's important to note out, uh, I think it's Japan where a bunch of their restaurants are completely automated. Like you order based on a tablet and it's brought to you to your table either by a train and you just take it off when it's your order or someone just comes out and brings it out where there's a lot less human interaction, which sounds great for an introvert like me, but it also shows that maybe the people whose jobs can actually be replaced by machines, maybe we don't pay as much or else it makes it more viable sense to to buy a machine to do the job yeah and that's another fear is that with the increase in automation and a higher minimum wage we're pushing unskilled workers out of the workforce and as such it's going to be really hard for teenagers and you know kids to get their first job because it's always easier to get a job if you have a job Mm -hmm. getting that first job is the hard part so if you can't get a job because the jobs you normally take are all automated, one, you're putting more pressure on those jobs that aren't automated to get hired so they can choose from the wider selection of candidates. So it's going to be really hard for kids to get that first job. And now, I don't know if education is the answer to that or or what, but that's going to be an issue. 
as more and more jobs fall to automation, how do people get their first entry-level jobs? Yeah, I, I know for me, my entry job was just so I could have things, so I could, you know, pay my car insurance, my phone bill. And also, it really taught me, A, to be a better human being because interacting with people. And, and it also taught me that, hey, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I really got to make sure I do well when I go to school so I don't have to do this for the rest of my life. It definitely motivated me to not want to do it. And like we said, most minimum wage workers are between 16 and 24. I imagine high school and college, that's when people are doing their, uh, you know, just working a part-time job. That's probably when they're making minimum wage. Uh, To live off minimum wage is a whole other conversation, which I don't think you can live off minimum wage, and I don't, nor do I think you should aspire to live off minimum wage. Yeah, and just to throw out some numbers here, and like you said, these the economics of minimum wage are so dependent on location and the economy in that area. But a study in by the the Cato Institute found that for every ten percent increase in minimum wage leads to a one to three percent decrease in unemployment. So, like we said, if we were going to raise the minimum wage fifty percent or hundred percent, that's a you know that's a that's a pretty big increase, thirty percent increase in uh, employment or 30% loss of employment, potentially. And so that's another 30% of unemployed people who are competing for the smaller amount of jobs. Yeah. And also, again, huge asterisk because nothing like on this scale has ever been done before. It's This is all new territory, which is scary. But uh, I, I kind of got mistracked with it. More money, more spending. Uh, just because you make more money doesn't mean you'll spend more money. Like I mentioned very earlier that... Um, Higher minimum wage means less hours and probably most likely uh, less money overall in the year. It it doesn't mean it will be more savings. It doesn't mean it will be more spending. I imagine some people, and I think this is at all levels, whether you're minimum wage or you're making six figures a year, have a hard time saving and spending money. So just having more money is not going to affect that. I imagine at every level, there's people who just kind of throw away money. So more money, more spending, I don't think it is a fair argument, especially with inflation. I I imagine if I raise the minimum wage to be $15 an hour, we say, let's raise the inflation. It's at 5% now. We'll we'll raise it conservatively to 7%. People spending more money, everything else is going to rise. Like you said, Nick, like McDonald's workers, perfect example. If it's I don't know, like five bucks for a cheeseburger and some fries. And all of a sudden the minimum wage increases 100%. That $5 is probably going to be closer to $8. And that actually might drive away business, which means they might have to let go more people. It's uh, Everything's connected. Everything is so connected to the minimum wage for the economy, inflation, and how business is operated. So it's proceed with caution, in my opinion. And another argument for the minimum wage is that it would reduce income inequality. So what that means is the idea is that right now the richest people in America make so much more than the poorest people in America. And in certain countries, that difference isn't as big. And people point to a lot of Norwegian countries, um, or not Norwegian countries. Norway is a country that is not a geographic area. A lot of uh, Nordic countries, I think that's the term I'm looking for, 
um, those countries people point to that they have a lower uh, income inequality. And I think that's partly due to the fact that a country of, you know, Norway has five point something million people. I mean, what does Chicago have? How many people live in Chicago? Last time I checked, it was 4.1 if you count the suburbs. Okay, so a population the size of Chicago. And I imagine when you shrink that population of, or maybe Chicago, you might have a similar, you know, income inequality. But the fact that there's so many people making, just the fact that there's so many people and there's so few billionaires, you're going to have a higher income inequality. And so my, they say that raising the minimum wage will raise the lower income earners in the United States up to reduce that income inequality. And I, again, I, I don't think that would work. And one of the reasons is those same people who were supposed the, if you're against them, if you're for the $15 minimum wage, you probably hate people like Jeff Bezos and the Walmart corporation and that kind of stuff. Those are the same people who are pushing for the $15 minimum wage. I guarantee you they would not be pushing for that if it would not make them richer. Yeah, imagine tux- taxes subsidizing. There's got to be some loopholes that they found that can't do that. And also... Well, I'm I'm guessing it's going to eliminate their competition. Oh, yeah. Them. it's it, it, That's that's why big, big companies are more likely to push for uh, more strict regulations. And I think this is exactly that because big companies can absorb the hit whereas mom-and-pop shops can't. Long-term thinking, not short-term thinking. But to, I want to bring up your Scandinavian point. Uh, yes, there is definitely less of a gap in the Scandinavian countries than there is to America. And with love, Scandinavias, I have to say, I don't see any other country coming even close to the innovation and creations that America has. And, I mean, hate them or love them, Jeff Bezos really took a online book company to now arguably the most powerful company in the world besides Apple. That's, I don't, uh, I'll be honest, I don't think I can name one Scandinavian country's like main, major company. I Here's another thing that they did right, Mike. Norway, huge fan. Uh, they don't have a national minimum wage. They have local minimum wages so that they can be negotiated between the laborer the and the between the employer and the laborer and the local governments there's no national minimum wage that makes so much more sense to me to actually have it's like having a union but it's not just between the company and the employees but it's also the state so it affects the entire region i am much more happy with that which i actually kind of think it should happen that's why i w- that's why i was kind of surprised when Rural areas had higher minimum wage than urban environments. And I guess also the amount of workers. And now if I think about it, there's you have less options in rural environments to hire people than you do in urban environments. Yep. Also, Sweden and Iceland have no national minimum wage. It's all negotiated and locals. So all the areas that we get, the United States gets compared to for income inequality, none of them have a national minimum wage. That's... Very surprising, and uh, just want to point out, Iceland has a population a little over six hundred, uh, thirty-six hundred people. Um, yeah, that's that is on that is 
what one eighth of Chicago, something like that. That's a, that's yeah. You can, that's comparing apples to oranges, in my opinion. That that's my say. But I do want to stick on the regional part because I think for the minimum wage, it should be by sector, so based on the profession and by region. So if your job can be automated, you got to keep the cost of the employee low, or else you're just going to switch automation and you're out of a job. And I, I know garbage men make good money here in the United States, but I'll just use them for example. Say garbage men were making, well, I don't know that for a fact, but let's just say garbage men were making minimum wage and a uh, fast food worker was making minimum wage. I imagine the minimum wage for those two professions should be different. So it's like, say, fast food workers, $10, and garbage men are $12. It shouldn't be minimum wage based on just your region, but also your profession. So say minimum wage for... I don't know, we'll say Atlanta City. Uh, say you're in the poorer side of Atlanta City and the minimum wage is at, I don't know, $8. Well, it shouldn't be all across the $8 fields. If you're a janitor and you have thing to, you know, deal with hazardous materials, your minimum wage should probably be a little bit higher than the person working with just food or vice versa. Just, I, I think j- by sector and by region minimum wage should be affected it shouldn't be completely static it should be dynamic based on different variables yeah and i think that's that's a great point because like we said there's a huge difference between the rural parts of the united states and your la's and your new york's i can make more LA. on 10 bucks an hour than you can 15 in northern california i don't even want to know what is in illinois or uh <laughs> i don't want to know what is in illinois i know States have pretty weird rules for, like, uh, uh, laborers who come in with a like an H two B visa or an H two A or an H one, which is your agriculture, non agricultural, seasonal, and non seasonal. It's usually like for Oregon, it's the minimum they have to be paid the average wage of the county minus the minimum wage employees. So the the workers coming in are making twenty two fifty an hour for the county. That's <laughs> that's that's a lot more than uh, than what most people in the county make, but that's the medium wage when you subtract the people making minimum wage, which I don't care. There's no one here who's going to do the job, but... Well, that's not, that's not a fair statistic because if you have a population, say, of 100 people and 80 of them are working minimum wage jobs, that's that uh, that heavily influences on the scaleage. That's not, that's not a fair assessment. Hey, I don't make the rules... I agree. But what I'm saying is it is somewhat localized. And that's the same thing when Chicago, workers in Chicago had to be paid a lot more. So I know the guys who just do landscaping for the city, uh, they have to be paid like 22 bucks an hour for unskilled labor and 25 for skilled labor just from local Chicago ordinances. Not saying that the number should be that, but that's different than when I was a kid working outside of the county, outside of Chicago, still in Cook County, I was making like six fifty or something an hour. I was making below minimum wage because you can make below minimum wage as a kid. And uh, that was fine. I mean, it, I was a kid. I, I didn't even know. I had really no skills. So I was just happy to have money. Yeah. But it's easier to get a job, you know, if you're going to work for less and then then once you have a job it, it's easier to get a job and move up but there's a huge difference of if i'm trying to live off that you can't live off 650 and 
certain places and that not necessarily that you're supposed to. So I guess before let's talk about the differences in areas. So what, let's say, what are the, the biggest factors that affect what the minimum wage should be? Location, what the job. So you're, so what do you mean by location? Do you mean average price of, you know, rent or cost of living? Like groceries are higher here, fuels higher here. Uh, I would say rent and cost of living. And cost of living making uh, a very bare minimal cost of living. So like say uh, average groceries and maybe, I don't know, like one pair of shoes a year and, you know, simple com- commodities. Just put that together and like take the average of the two. So cost of uh, cost of living and uh, yearly co- uh, and yearly accommodations for that area. So maybe because it, it varies from neighborhood to neighborhood. So maybe maybe county, maybe do it based on county or I quite and uh, like maybe a, cer- a certain radius of area and take those two numbers. So average cost of living. Uh, average cost of bare necessities divide uh, add them together divided by two and then that is well you, you can't live you shouldn't be you shouldn't try to live off minimum wage maybe minimum wage has to meet like 75 percent of that yeah well and that that's another thing of the people who want you know to live off minimum wage like you said it's not meant to be the living wage of 22 whatever an hour that they're saying you're not going to be able to afford an apartment by yourself on minimum wage. And I make above minimum wage. And before I lived with my wife, I lived with roommates. It's just because uh, you don't need to live by yourself. And you don't need to be able to afford a house by yourself. If you want to be financially safe, you know, why would you not offset that? Just, I think a lot of this is people want things that, that they can't have. And then, Raising the minimum wage is an answer to get those things. You can't always get what you want. I've seen a, a lot of arguments of you can't raise a family on minimum wage. That's not that's not an argument. Of course you can't. But I, yeah, but I don't. That's the I don't think that's the point. The point is you shouldn't be raising a family on minimum wage. You should be trying to get above minimum wage so you can provide more for your family. This is kind of a little off topic, but if you're trying to provide for your family and you work minimum wage, that's where I think like government subsidies come in, or maybe you, uh, the government offers you a job and they'll pay you more, or maybe like l- less on your taxes, so that way you can live more. So now you're not working minimum wage job anymore; you're working for the government. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. But well, yeah, and a whole other conversation for another day. Maybe people would have more money if the government stopped taking it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's talk about how it's easier to just raise a minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably easier to it's, force companies to raise a minimum wage than it is to stop governments from overtaxation. Yep. It's funny that we're <laughs> Americans are so pissed at this when everyone else is getting taxed higher than we are. And I don't get me wrong, I think we are overtaxed, but there's people in Europe who are paying 40 to 60% of their income and taxes. But here's the difference. We actually went to war for taxes. We don't give a fuck. We'll swing. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I I completely agree that it is easier to raise a minimum wage than get the government to stop taking everyone's money. Ugh. Honestly, it wouldn't even have, they wouldn't even have to change the taxes. They were just better at spending. We wouldn't be in this scenario. But 
Oh, here we yeah. are. <laughs> here we fucking are. Uh, to go back to the other question. So location, uh, occupation. I don't think all minimum wage jobs are the same. So I think it should be, the minimum wage should vary on what field you're in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think uh, a maintenance worker should make the same amount as uh, a cashier. I, uh, a maintenance worker is a lot more dynamic, got more thinking, a lot more hard labor. I think they should make more. So, mate. No, I think that's almost more of a skilled job once after a while, I imagine. I imagine it's, I don't really know what that's classified under, but anything with tools and knowledge like that to me seems like it'd be classified under a skilled labor job. Okay. Uh, Not sure, though. That's a, that's a fair. So, all right. So, say like security guard, security guard and a cashier. Um, I, I, I think it should vary on what you're guarding. Uh, so, maybe the minimum wage for. Well, I, I I don't know what the minimum wage would be for those two individual ones, but I imagine those should be different. If you're simply guarding something at night or you have to deal with a possible, you know, drunk people, like say, all right, here's a good one, bouncers. Bouncers should not make minimum wage compared to a cash register. They both have to deal with people. One has to deal with drunk people. The other just has to deal with Karens. I'd rather deal with a Karen than a drunk Karen. So I'm I'm thinking bouncers should probably make more than cashiers that's just it's top of my head what i'm th- what i'm thinking is minimum wage should be dependent on on um occupation yeah at least sector of you know maybe you have you have your agricultural set workers and you have your service industry workers something like that but i think that's that's something that in a quote-unquote right free economy that the economy itself would would handle um, I'm not completely sold on a comment on that because there's a lot of shitty large organizations that will nickel and dime to to make an extra buck. So I I think some regulation is needed, but not as much as people probably want. Yeah, I I think just asking government to delineate between this and that when you're getting too far down into it of if keeping legislation that complicated can be might be an issue i'd rather make it simpler at because I, I th- i'd rather have a, a base minimum wage for the local area put on by the local government than trying to say this person makes this this person makes that because then you're just going to see people try and classify those jobs into different areas yeah that gets muddy really to get fast. around that um another one would probably be the profit margin of items sold so if you're only making i don't know a dollar fifty on every item sold it doesn't make sense to have minimum wage workers that take away your profits. And I guess that kind of goes into automation. Like if your job can be automated, maybe you shouldn't have as high as minimum wage as other minimum wage jobs. It, um, yeah. Cause you're like, we talked about with the high school kids. That's, that's a job that could easily go away. If I rem- and remember correctly for robotic arms for assembly, I think the hourly cause robotic arms aren't owned by the companies using them. They're rented out by the people who make the robotic arms. And if I remember correctly, it's sixteen twenty-five per hour for the robotic arms because they're hourly. Um, but those robotic arms never take a sick day, never need benefits, work day and night, consistent. So when you're telling someone that you should make a, I, I don't know, it just seems like if I'm able to replace your job and make quite literally triple the amount of productivity you're doing, it doesn't make sense to me to pay the exact same price. Yeah. 
and and that's I don't know. Are we get are we getting into the ethics of the minimum wage now? It seems like that. Um, this is this is this is a question I'm going to throw out there and think about it, Nick, because I have no idea where I stand. Well, actually, I, I know where I stand. I'm not for it, but it kind of makes sense in a perfect world without our. If we had a different government that was better, this would make sense. But different minimum wage for the size of the company. Small businesses have lower minimum wages than larger companies or like vice versa. Like make it easier for smaller businesses somehow. Don't know how, but that ethically makes sense to me. That was just a food for thought idea. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. So in a sense, it's a financial incentive to, to, to grow small businesses. And that by the time they grow into larger businesses, an extra couple bucks won't matter. They can take on more responsibility kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. How you're going to never get, never get passed. No, but no. Any, any law that I, I actually want will never get passed, Nick. We, we, we've, we've been over this. <laughs> it makes too much sense. But I guess the question is, I don't know. I, I could see, I see every side of, is it ethical for a government to have a minimum wage law now so you have we have laws governing working conditions but does the government decide who will work and for what should it be up to the person to decide what jobs they will take so i I feel like because of this there's a lot of lack of personal accountability i know a lot of people who work at jobs that they hate and they're like oh i wish i could leave my job but i i don't want to move or i don't want to do that it's like well it's not necessarily your job that needs to change you know you just have to to find a different job now there there are employees there's companies out there who will you know let you work the way you want to work but you're going to have to move to get to them but like we're americans we want our cake we want to eat it too we want our current job to be perfect now it's a lot of work to move whether it be across the country across town whatever it's moving to a new job is difficult you lose your seniority and all that stuff but you have an increase in chance of opportunity so if a job is is pretty bad and people keep leaving economically it starts making sense to pay those people higher so that they stay don't get me wrong that's not how it works oftentimes because people are tied down for you know family kids in school Sometimes the business wants a quick turnaround, so it gets new people, so it can keep its prices low. Yeah. So, to answer your question, but, yep. I think government has some small part to play in setting a minimal wage. Um, if I I feel if we don't have some safety net, there will be people who will get completely taken advantage of, and the completely taken advantage from gets eliminated with a minimal wage. That being said, I do think there can be easily the swing of the pendulum the other way where it does more harm than good. It's a dual-edged sword, but I think by with some small part, the labor rights, minimum wage does have some effect. I mean, FDR came up with minimum wage to help during the Great Depression for a reason. Um, I don't agree with everything FDR did, but his methodology seemed to work and help us get through the great depression so maybe maybe there is some grain of truth in having a minimal wage well not to get too much of an argument but a lot of economists think that if fdr didn't do all the things he did we would have been out of the great depression in half the time 
No, I see. I've seen that. I think the main reason that we got out of the Great Depression was World War II. Well, for sure, increase in production. Um, but so my my example is so I went to California to work, and California has like weird overtime laws where if you make overtime, it's not just like time and a half. It's like this weird thing, and you can only, you can only make a certain amount. So you can't make a certain amount of overtime without going three times your pay rate. And so that really stifled my earnings for the year because I would have been I would have been willing to work more to get more money, but the company didn't want to pay me the three times my salary. So I wish I could have made an agreement that said I'm willing to work for stay at time and a half to continue working. But because of California's laws, I could not do that. So I wish I was able to take more of a role in negotiating how much I would make at that position. No, I, I again, I completely agree. I think the pendulum swings both ways. I think it hurts as much as it helps. But I think the people it helps helps a lot more than the people it hurts. Like the, the So if it helps 30% of people, it only hurts, I don't know, 15%. Like I, I'm, I'm doing a bad job of explaining this, um, but... I completely agree with you. How it is handled right now needs to change. Completely needs to change. But the idea of it, I think, is a good thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I I agree with you that it's a good thing that there's a minimum wage. But I do wish we could change the culture and get people more involved in, in how much they make. Just willing to say, like, hey, like, for example... If I if I suddenly became homeless tomorrow, couldn't get a job in my industry, my first thing I would do is I'd go find like some skilled labor, whether it be working at like a metal shop or something, be like, hey, I will, you know, live outside and just like be security and during the day, like teach me how to do this stuff. But they're not gonna pay me to do whatever. Like you it there's no way to like really be an apprentice and learn legally without being on the payroll just because there's so much liability with oh if you do this you're gonna like you know if you're in here and you get exposed to this you have this right and you have this and they have to pay for this and cover this so the company they're not just paying your wage they're paying all that other shit that goes on top of it so it's hard to get into a new skilled profession so i i don't i don't necessarily know if the minimum wage needs to be raised I just, I don't know if the government, I don't, I want to limit as much government involvement as I can. Now, I think if we have a, a discussion about the purpose of the minimum wage, because I think that's where a lot of the disagreement is. Now, I, th- I think we are in kind of an agreement of the minimum wage is meant to be a starter entry-level position, not to provide for a family. But there's a lot of people out there who think that the minimum wage is a family wage, that you know, you can have a single, you know, member of the family work a minimum wage job and provide for their wife and two point one four kids or whatever. No, I, I I agree with that. I it's such a simple kind of simple simple idea, but such so complicated. I have minimum wage. The laws behind it need to change. The price, I'm less than certain. I'm, I'm I'll be honest. I'm completely uncertain on. Should the minimum raise be raised to fifteen dollars an hour? I see arguments for both sides; both have merits. Not convinced either way, but I do see laws need to be changed where 
again, Nick, I, I like the idea of you get to compete for more of your contract. Granted, you can make the argument that leads to more unions, which have a good thing and a bad thing, another dual-edged sword. So I, I, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of scenario. What about, so we, we, uh, we do a kind of a compromise. What if we, let's say, raise our minimum wage to $10 an hour, whatever number, but then there's a clause where you can opt out. And so you can opt out of the minimum wage increase and you know you acknowledge that I could make less, but say I opt out of minimum wage increase because I choose not to accept the time and a half overtime, thereby I can work 40 hours 50 or 50 hours a week in, instead of and make more money because my employer normally wouldn't would cut me off after 40 hours a week because they don't want to pay overtime something like that oh yeah if you if you gave it more individual control of the person working i would completely agree with that statement let the individual have more freedom than uh letting the government decide what the individual is what is good for the individual and what's not good yeah because some people are going to take that up and say oh yeah i'd like to make more money at this job and other people are like i don't want to i could i you know, I can survive off what I'm making, and if I they want to work me overtime, they have to pay for it. My time is worth this much, and they'll have to pay for that. Yeah. And that way, you, you satisfy both sides of, you know, if you're trying to get into a profession, and with an increase in minimum wage, you're, the, the I don't know if the argument's been made, or I know the argument's been made, I don't know if it's settled, but in my mind, there's no doubt that you will see an increase in automation and less jobs. If you're willing to work, you know, under the radar, work willing to work less than what those machines can perform, then you got yourself a job, and then from there you can move up. But you can't move up until you secure that first job. So that would allow you to get into those positions to learn those skills. And I think that would be the best solution. Uh, yeah. Uh, once, well, to complicate things, I'm just going to throw it out there. I. Don't know if this is a time or place for it, but UBI's uh, universal basic income that, that plays an effect. But again, I don't think you should strive to live off minimum wage. Minimum wage should be temporary until you get trained up. That should be entry job, and then you, if you get hired and get built up, so you can make more money. If you're not getting picked up, it might be because of you're not good at your job. The job's not right for you. Could be X, Y, and Z. It. Minimum wage you should not live off of. It should be simply a way to make extra money. I completely agree with what you were saying, Mike. And I think what we're seeing here with the minimum wage debate, it's not really a debate about the minimum wage. It's more a debate about the standard of living. And there's people who want a higher standard of living and they don't quite know how to get there and they people see a $15 minimum wage as the answer to a better quality of life. I think it's a very American thing to want a better quality of life. And I think there's better ways to get there than raising the minimum wage. For one, we have a school system that we all pay for that churns out what everyone would consider unskilled workers every single year. If the school system started churning out skilled workers or the option to gain a skill in your normal you know, K through 12 school experience, then we would have less unskilled workers, ideally, and people would be paid more if they wanted to pursue that. Doesn't mean everyone in, you know, 
senior year of high school has to go and learn how to be be a lineman but if there's an option to go and learn how to make you know 80 grand a year starting out why are we why are we teaching kids other things and then why are we graduating from school and being considered unskilled well i can i can tell you why some people um out of school are unskilled it's because they've only had classroom work or some of their majors are uh yeah i'm just gonna leave it at that let you fill in the blanks yeah but there's other things that can be done too you know of raising the standard of living besides just you know working a minimum wage job at a new minimum wage you can have do stuff like work with you know to reduce regulations or something to make products cheaper to get now that doesn't mean we just go in and you know just fuck everything up environmentally or whatever but there's regulations out there that the admin cost to them don't really add anything to the final product but instead basically there's another hand to feed there so if we wanted to raise the standard of living i think that what we need to focus on is educating people to get higher paid jobs and lowering the price of goods, not necessarily raising the price of wages. Yeah, I would also want to add on to maybe have less jobs overseas and more jobs locally, so that way there's more money being passed around, and that way there's more requirement for skilled labor. It would raise the overall prices of products, but it would allow to have people have more money, have more skills, and honestly you're you're dealing with a closed loose system so everything stays in the closed loose system it's not leaving the borders so to speak yeah and like uh i mean i I think most of us have seen this somewhere in our lives if you want to make above the poverty level in the united states all you have to do is graduate high school not have kids until you're married and don't go to jail well nick now you're asking too much so there's really simple things that can be done to increase a standard of living besides raising the minimum wage. Because I think what this boils down to is there's people on both sides who want to increase the quality of life for everybody. You know, some people think raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour will increase the quality of life for those people. And other people think, oh, if you just let the market take care of this, people will work at whatever they're willing to work at their skill level or and move to jobs that they don't like if they don't if it doesn't provide for the needs that they see fit either way both these people think that the best is going to happen for everybody i don't know necessarily know can't say definitively which one is right or wrong i think that there's a combination of maybe there's a small amount of government oversight but letting people choose what's best for them instead of letting the government choose what's best for them i think would be ideal but Neither of these sides sat there and argued, oh, well, fuck these people. Reading this, both sides thought that their idea would create the most wealth for the most number of people. Yeah, it was not to dismiss anyone. It was to help everyone out. It's just different ways to do it. I think it's also important to note, um, I don't think we talked about it in the beginning, but over 50% of the population in the United States is in favor of raising the minimum wage. Uh, I think it's like 60% or something like that. Um, could be higher. Uh, it, Granted, it didn't say how much the raising the minimum wage, but universally, it's 
most people want minimum wage raised, or at least in some way want, I think 100% everyone wants some type of change one way or the other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's pretty common in every podcast we've done. Neither side wants it to remain the same. It needs to be fixed. We just don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, unfortunately the truth. It's just we all want something done. We just have different ways of doing about it, and we're caught up in fighting to fi- figuring out the ways to actually do it, which one would be best, which one would be worse. Yes, so let's say we all agree upon raising the minimum wage to $15 per hour. I don't think we should do it overnight. I think... The minimum wage, if we're going to raise it to $15 an hour, which is over 100% of what it currently is, we should slowly implement it. Uh, when things are rushed, they get sloppy and they get messy. So maybe you know, from $7.25 to $10, and then $10 to $12 and $12 to $15 over a span of three to four years. Maybe do small implementations first to see how it actually affects the economy rather than doing a giant jump of doubling, uh, what was it? The 5% of the entire population's money? Uh, around 1.5 to 3%. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, that also probably affect the people near minimum wage too. Yeah, because... so 3% of the population is, near, I think, the near minimum wage. Ooh, that's a good question. Well, one, I want to hear your opinion on uh, slowly implementing. And two... What if a person's making slightly or near minimum wage, that would they be then set back to minimum wage if it goes over? So say you have a person making ten dollars an hour and another person making seven twenty five an hour, and the minimum wage gets set to fifteen dollars an hour. Now they're both equally making the same, even though one was previously getting higher, uh, paid more. How does that affect? How does that work? I imagine you're gonna be making minimum wage again. Well, I uh, the company could afford to pay you ten bucks before, they can pay you fifteen now. But like we said, there's even the statistics that favor the fifteen dollar minimum wage say that there will be unemployment from the fifteen dollar minimum wage. So maybe if you make that much, you might make fifteen now, but you have one less person working there. So, or maybe they get rid of someone. You might, maybe, maybe you still make a little bit above, but I can't imagine you're going to still be making $3 above. I imagine if anything, you might be making like 16 bucks an hour. I I don't really know. I just don't see, see this as the rising tide raising all ships. I see this as, you know, the, the 3% making out or near minimum wage is going to get a pay bump. And then it's kind of like a, a train that's lurching forward and just hitting every single train car. So the 15% or those 3% are going to increase and then they try to go forward and they get pulled backwards and the people above them get a pay increase and then they keep going forward and the people above those guys slowly get a pay increase. And it's just like a lot of screeching and, and hauling and slowly getting to where you want to go. Uh, just before we get too far away from it, uh, with your uh, our, with your statement of scientific papers that would no matter what, lose jobs. I did see scientific papers that it would also increase jobs. I want to point that out there. I saw contradicting evidence on both sides. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I most of what I saw, even if it was pro, it, it said that it wouldn't keep the same jobs. It would just it would move around jobs and create more jobs. Not not that you would keep the same employment. That's what I saw. Gotcha. Uh, but also uh, over time. I'd like to, yeah, over time. I think it was a seven-year 
time frame, if I remember I think correctly. that's what we're talking about right now. Even the Biden plan to increase minimum wage of $15 an hour wouldn't take effect until 2025. It'd be, like you're saying, staggered each year a certain amount. And so I, I guess the question is, I, I don't really know if that's enough time to have everything kind of flatten out. Is that still a pretty big increase? No, that's that's four years as opposed to seven, which is what you were saying. I don't know. I mean, like you said, this hasn't really been done before. It's such a large shock to the market. Well, that's my that's my question to you. Do you think we should implement it slowly, or should we just jump in the water and just get completely wet? Do we go all in, or do we slowly go in? Now, the smart thing to do, I think, would be to, one, right now this is grouped in with the larger bill. Uh, I think it's like, one of the stimulus bills they're pushing through. So one, make it its own bill with an option to discontinue if, you know, certain, you reach certain points. So if you're on a fire, like a, a wildfire, there's certain points that if X happens, you back out. So if this happens, you, you get out of there. And we have those written in the bill, like, okay, if we start seeing massive unemployment or something, we maybe we don't go all the way to 15 or we start seeing this, we back out. If we start seeing people unable to find jobs, if we start seeing jobs not being filled, uh, something like that, that there's a, a safety of saying we're going to try, that acknowledges we're going to try this, but if it starts to fail, maybe we back off a little bit and, and, and come back with new data and figure it out from there. Nick, I think, you're doing that thing again. You're making too much sense. But I think over time is the smartest way to go. I don't. I don't think. I don't think most people think it's a good idea to flip a switch and say fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage tomorrow. Yeah, I would hope you're correct, but I would wager that you're actually not. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at COVID. So during COVID, uh, you know, when everything was shutting down, I went to go get uh, some food from like a local restaurant, and it was like super depressing the guy in there was the manager was sitting there with like his wife and like probably a cook or something going over the numbers or trying to figure out like if they're selling this much a day how long can they afford to stay in business and it's like i don't want to see something like that where it's like if i have to pay this many people this much i have to raise my prices to this and people won't buy them at this price because i guess it's similar to covid in a sense of if i have to raise my prices to survive how long People, but until how the market it, how long can the market adjust like we're like you said if we do this overnight so suddenly wages go to 15 so say your burger you go out to eat, get a burger cost you know 975 right now tomorrow minute 15 minimum wage it costs 1570 that's almost doubled the price of it right now maybe that's that won't be the price but that's an hour of a minimum pay. That's that's literally an hour worth, an hour of working for one fast food cheeseburger. But even for for me, I still value the dollar about the same. But that burger is suddenly doubled in price. I'm not going to go out to eat that burger. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy my own burger and cook it, if that's the price. So, how long until these businesses can survive with less people going to them? because of the increase in price. Now, eventually, the imp everything will settle out, but we basically have to adjust to the new value of that dollar. And I also want to agree with the point that you mentioned earlier, the aftershock. 
where big businesses can survive that hit, smaller businesses have a harder time doing that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a huge point that I think it should be a red flag when uh, all these huge businesses are lobbying for increased regulation and increase in wages. When rivals work together, yeah, be always cautious. Yeah. Uh, so that j- just on that principle alone, you would think that this is a bad idea. <sighs> yeah, I don't. Maybe because minimum wage has not caught, kept, not has kept up with the inflation rate, a minimal wage. But the I, so I agree. I agree with that for increasing the minimum wage. But the amount of minimum wage, I'm highly on the fence for for debating, and I think that needs further more debating. Yeah, I, I liked your number of seventy five percent of cost of living and housing for the area, and that way. You know, if you have Get a, roommate, a roommate, you can you can have a house or you can have an apartment or whatever. We're on the same fucking page with that, Nick. I love how we sync that one up together. And so I think, yeah, so we need to figure out what's with inflation, what's a good minimum wage in relation to cost of living, as well as maybe train people more so that they know that, one, these are how you acquire skills that can advance you out of minimum wage work territory and that you shouldn't you know be providing for a family on minimum wage or if you if you are providing for a family on minimum wage at least have both members of the family working i don't know i listen to npr at work because a lot of times you're the only one that comes in and i can't tell you how many times i've heard sob stories of this guy talking about how he doesn't make enough money working his minimum wage job and his wife doesn't work and he has two kids. It's like, what is your wife doing? If you can't make enough money for your family, she should be working. It's not like she couldn't. She used to be like a teacher or something, but she decided she was going to be a you know full-time mom, which is great, but... Want versus needs. Yeah, want versus needs. My, my parents, who my dad made above minimum wage, my mom still worked because... Having money's nice. <laughs> Having money's nice. Yeah. So you, you have to make sacrifices somewhere. And it's not necessarily everyone else's obligation to allow you to live that lifestyle when they themselves cannot. I think it's also very important to note how much minimum wage is connected to so many different variables besides the minimum wage workers. This is this is pulling on a thread that's connected to many. So it's not, again, something so simple, such have a large, large impact. Yeah. I mean, it's most services, like you said at the beginning, most services that you interact with on a daily basis are minimum wage services. So it's going to affect the cost of all those things that we normally do. You know, e- eating, shopping, gro- getting groceries, all that, the price of those are going to go up. Yeah. And uh, with that being said, Nick, I... I still am on the fence, Nick, and it sounds like you're on the fence too because the current solution for the minimum wage isn't the right one, and me and you are just spitballing trying to figure out what it, the right one should be, and I am curious on what other people's opinions are, and if they wanted to tell us their opinions on minimum wage, on whether we should do it, not do it, different options we didn't consider about, different opinions on the argument, where could they find us? You can find us on... Backyard Philosophy Podcast on YouTube and Instagram. And out of curiosity, what book are you reading? 
I'm reading the 100-Year Marathon, a book about the how China plans to replace the U.S. as the world's global superpower. What about you? I am rereading Fahrenheit 451, one of my favorite books. Highly recommend to everybody. Uh, it's, it's a great book about uh, trying to be not like everyone else and not be a totalitarian and uh, individualism and, well, at the end of the day, kind of fighting the government. So kind of fitting for this conversation. And with that being said, I don't know what the future may lay, but at least I got some bourbon and a good friend to talk about it with. And that being said, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.